Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Life Series, Part 2, by Tattooed Laura on AO3. Rating, General Audiences. Chapter 25, Green Skies. Skinner showed up early, beating the impossibly always-on-time Dave by at least 20 minutes. The look on his face did not convey happy tidings, and the pair stopped him before he could leave the entryway. What happened? And, not about to mince words, we found plans for other potential sites. Mulder, already antsy to touch her, reached for Scully's back, winding fingers in her loose materialed shirt, denying skin to skin, but feeling the anchor point more necessary than air. Where? When? Air and space, natural history, archives, Vietnam Wall. From the looks of them, they were still in the planning stages. No set dates were determined. Scully, wanting more than her anchor point, polyester fumbled behind her until she found the side pocket of his shorts, hooking her thumb on it, completing the circle. Dave works at Aaron Space. A few seconds of heavy silence hung. Then Skinner gave her a grave look. Tell him to take a few more days off. Paling slightly, she moved on. Fingers gripped tighter to Mulder. And we only found the driver of the van. We have no idea if he was alone or in a group. Those targets are still viable. Skinner nodded to her. Yes, they are. I was going to cancel on dinner and keep working, but I promised Sam. With her other hand, she touched her boss lightly on the arm. You needed a break anyways. Collins also threatened to call my mother if I didn't leave for a while. Mulder, who really should have been laser-focused on the imminent threat to the world surrounding him, gave Skinner a confused look, genuine wonderment filling his features. You have a mother? Too tired to hit the young man, Skinner glared at him. Yes, I have a mother. She is four foot ten, seventy-seven years old, full head of pure white hair, and can knock you on your ass without dropping her hand mixer. Walter, I need to meet this woman. Finally, he smiled, chuckling in the face of depression. She lives in Georgia with her brother, but if I can get her out of her retirement village and away from her baking pans, I will bring her over. I believe she'd like the two of you. That moment of merriment ended mere seconds later, however, when reality returned. Do you need us to come in? Skinner nodded. Whenever you're ready. We've got roomfuls of paper trail to go through, and we could use your eyes. Can I go back with you after dinner? Mulder looked down at Scully, head twisted to see her. You, however, need a few days off. Any other place in the universe, in any other moment in existence, she would have punched him for ordering her around. But she was exhausted, knowing he was right. I can probably come in after Mom gets her walking casts on Tuesday. But before then, she still needs someone. Maggie, having silently rolled herself into the room, would have argued, but seeing her daughter held together with the barest of threads made herself known. I certainly do, especially now that Walter has arrived. Looking up at the towering man, can you come and reach something for me, please? Complying without question, Mulder held Scully back from following, tucking her in close to him instead. Thanks for not smacking me around for the comment. 
One defeated shoulder shrug later. I will next time. Promise. Squeezing her in tighter for a second. Should we go see if your mom and Skinner are making out yet? Why would you say that? Following his hand pulled to the kitchen. Seriously, why? Because I'm twisted like that. Everything seemed fine. People arrived. Children clamored for hugs. Adults talked over each other. Things spilled. Skinner took his shoes off and revealed socks with penguins on them. Scully joked and laughed, kissed and fawned, asked and answered, then disappeared, claiming vegetable transection needed to be done. It was the carrot cutting that tipped him off. Her exact slicing. She was usually, contrary to med school, geometrically precise incision machine Scully, a terrible, messy vegetable cutter. She hacked away like she'd never held a knife before. Uneven chunks, little bits flying, carcasses littering the counter. Nothing was round, even uniform. It was a veritable nightmare. Today, she was cutting each carrot one-eighth inch thick. Mulder surreptitiously checking to see if she had a ruler somewhere for measurement purposes. She did not. He didn't stop her, however leaving her to her hopefully beneficial food catharsis while the guests carried on conversation around her. Maggie had added kebabs to her menu somewhere along the line, and after carrots came Scully's cleaning and chopping of green peppers, onions, mushrooms, each strung with military care on metal skewers, perfectly spaced, alternating pattern never deviating, one pepper, one onion, one mushroom, one cherry tomato, one pepper, one tomato, one mushroom, one onion one pepper. The beef cubes were already cut, but even those she handled with precision. Ate to a stick, coated with seasoning, settled on the plate to wait for the grill. Once she washed her hands, he excused himself from the ever-growing crowd to take her by the elbow, back her into Maggie's room, searching for quiet. Are you okay? Eyes flashing suddenly at him. Why wouldn't I be? Because you actually cut the vegetables. I mean, I would bet you a thousand dollars those things are all the same damn size. Something's up. Mulder. Leaning closer, nearly whispering at this point. What is that beautiful brain of yours thinking about that has you strung tighter than a piano wire? And her eyes darkened, filling, crashing, depths storming, churning, sinking. I had three kids, and I was fine doing them. They died immediately. They all looked peaceful. No signs of prolonged pain or breathing, lungs clean. I mean, if you're going to die in an explosion, they went the best way possible. Suddenly swaying, she grabbed Mulder's arm. I just said. Allowing herself to be seated on the bed, she saw Mulder carefully kneel in front of her, hands on her thighs, gripping flesh, kneading muscle. I just said that three kids died in the best way possible. What the hell is wrong with me? Nothing is wrong with you. You did your job. You did your job, then came home and saw five healthy, happy, breathing, kicking, loud, boisterous children. And, not even using my fancy degree, I'm deducing that you freaked out. Those kids from before, that was the best way for them to die. If they had to die. I wish they hadn't, but since they did, I'm going to be grateful. It was very, very quick. Hands sliding up to her waist, thumbs across her abdomen to rendezvous near her belly button. 
Now, with your permission, I would like to tell your brothers and your cousin to keep their kids out of D.C. for the duration. If they never go back to the city, I'll be perfectly happy with that. Well, the point of terrorism is to invoke terror. And even though I will fight that by going down to work and dealing with the shit that is the rest of the world, I am going to give in to the terror for the moment and keep those little ankle biters as far from ground zero as humanly possible. Molt, I will let whoever the fuck blew up my city get to me if it means I have the possibility of keeping them safe. And since I have the information and the means and the... She shut him up with one hand over his mouth. Will you be quiet for a minute? Hearing a muffled maybe, she moved her hand. I would like to keep the kids from hearing the conversation, but I agree. Pulling his head back. You agree? Why wouldn't I? I don't know, because you're the rational one who has never agreed with me about anything except red M&Ms, and that Tarantino salsa has too much cilantro in it. Standing slowly, his leg partially asleep. Will you come back out and keep the kids busy while I tell the rest of them? Hugging him around the waist, her chin pressed into his hip. When can we go back on vacation? As soon as humanly damn possible. Mulder filled in parents. Scully hugged offspring and played semi-violent rounds of spoons on the living room floor. The whole crowd ate, everyone from Toby upwards, knowingly skirting any subject that might be the least bit depressing or scary. Joanna nearly starting a food fight when she accidentally flung an onion on her aunt-in-law. Maggie, it being a special occasion, threw it right back without missing a beat, then raised her hands as she saw forks suddenly and instantly filling with whatever they hadn't inhaled to that point. Stop. Put the forks down and move away from the plates. We have a guest, and he does not need to be covered in food. Looking directly at her son, who was slower than the rest in putting his utensil down, I understand he needs his introduction, but how about we save that for another time, yes? Charlie narrowed his eyes at her, then turned his gaze upon poor Walter, clueless for nearly the third time in his life at most. Next time, Uncle Skimmer. Next time. Betsy moved her hand to Skinner's arm. I'll protect you, Uncle Skimmer. I promise. Uncle Charlie isn't very good with a fork, but if he picks up a spoon, get under the table. Skinner simply leaned over when normal dinner had resumed, kissing the top of her little braided-haired head. Scully wanted to cry. Chapter 26. Darkened Night. Hell existed in that room. The devil resided there, lingering in corners, filling crevices, cracks, shadowing air with evil, thick, heavy, palpable. Mulder wanted to set the entire place on fire and walk away laughing. Banging his head against the wall became secondary relief to arsonary evidence destruction. He wasn't alone in the two-bedroom unassuming apartment, but he might as well have been, his mind buried so far in wanton annihilation that everything else disappeared. Skinner crossed his path every so often, leaving Mulder to stare at papers, journals. Why the fuck did they always keep records of their rambling, schizophrenic, fragmented, psychic, to taunt him? and that damn religious icon. Cross, image, vestiment, book, candle, verse. He may not believe in any god, be it a little g-god or a big g-god, but he was damn well certain you didn't show your love for your god by killing somebody else. He seriously could have been a mousy professor in some dusty college who followed supernatural blogs 
and crawled into bed with his scully every night, life unassuming, heart full, soul intact, ignorant bliss. With a final bang to the dirty white walls, his forehead throbbed while he returned to shitty reality. What the fuck was wrong with humanity? Scully showed up. Scully disappeared. Skinner passed. Collins talked. Scully reappeared. Mulder felt sunlight. Squinted. Fell asleep in the car. Hand cramped from riding. Eyes blurry from reading. Sirens loud. Then quiet in his ears. Kevlar heavy. Wind warm. Gunfire ear splitting. Blood red. Skin soft. Skin smooth. What day is it? Saturday night. Scully slid her hand across his back. Harsh moments flooded his mind, and sitting up, he began pawing at her. Are you okay? I remember blood. Are you hurt? Moving his hand across her, he felt his own chest, face, shifted back to her, hands wrapped tightly around shoulders when he realized she wasn't screaming in agony as he groped. When did we find him? Her cool hand went to his forehead, heat calming with her touch, her other hand palmed to his cheek. You and Barton worked out two possible scenarios. The second was correct, and there was gunfire, but you're fine. Barton and Collins took hits to the leg, shoulder, and right flank, but they're alive and home. I brought you here Friday morning, and you fell asleep. She hated his mind at times for doing this to him, overloading and overwhelming until he lost days, but his next sentence still made her smile. No wonder I have to pee so badly. Twisting out of bed, he groaned and hunched, waiting until his muscles had enough control of his bladder to get moving without catastrophic consequences. Scully followed to keep him upright if necessary, but once he was standing in the bathroom, he shooed her away. I don't need shy bladder happening right now. I can taste pee in the back of my throat. With a small chuckle she kept to herself, she rolled around the doorframe, out of sight but not out of sound. Once again, he passed the minute mark like a champ, only stopping after a minute 28. Quiet returned, and Scully leaned around the jam. You completely destroyed your old record. He was standing at the sink now, head hanging, tired again. Yay me. I need some sleep. She came up beside him, rumpled but still breathtaking in his eyes. Go back to bed. I'll make you a sandwich. You haven't had much since Monday. Taking her hand, he pulled her back to the bedroom, nearly running into the wall, mid-course correction, bringing him within half an inch of plasterboard, horizontal, sleep, company, you. English, useless, food, necessary, five minutes, max. Blah, no mayo. Because sandwich-making skills peaked at 11.17 p.m., she also whispered to Maggie, who had just gone to bed, that Mulder was awake before returning upstairs. Roast beef sandwich in hand. Eat. Yes, ma'am. First bite made him ravenous. Second and third bite finished it off. Scully watching in concerned awe. If he didn't choke, it would be amazing. He did not. She figured he'd go back to sleep, but his eyes remained open, staring at the ceiling, hand making lazy circles, ovals, lopsided ellipses, some kind of absent-minded, geometric shape across her thigh, until she broke the silence. Penny for your thoughts. His fingers hesitated for a fraction, then continued its repetitive path. I'm just listening to the quiet. 
Enjoying? Now he wrapped a hand around her thigh, heat seeping into fingers. I'm not sure. My head's been so loud for a week that I think I like it, but I don't know. Making sure she didn't twist his wrist too much, she turned on her side, trapping his hand. Would you like to talk, or just listen to me trying to breathe through my slightly stuffy nose? Kissing her forehead, he wiggled his fingers just for fun. How about you sing to me? Elvis or Guns N' Roses? You trying to kill me over here? Just trying to make you happy. Removing his hand from her warmth, he turned to face her, fingers finding skin stretched over her spine. You already do. Do I still have to sing then? Now he laughed, chuckling into her forehead. Nope, but maybe you can open the window so we can listen to the rain. It's raining? Lifting her head, she could just make out the sounds, then slithering from his grasp to do as asked. Ten seconds later, she was back, and both were lulled to half-sleep dreams by the steady rain on the kitchen window tin roof overhang. He roused her a while later, just as the first rumblings of thunder ambled across the sky, whispering into the pillow, sound asleep. Don't make me go back. Fighting the urge to shake him awake, she twisted, sitting up quickly, hand on his shoulder blade, stroking the peak. I won't. You don't have to go back at all. She noticed his hands fisted beneath the pillow, and deciding her singular touch wasn't enough, she swung her leg over his thigh, settling on his butt, massaging shoulders and coercing tense muscles with practice digits, trying to make out his mumblings. I don't want to go back. Mulder, you don't have to go back. Suddenly he turned over, nearly tossing her off the bed. She held her ground, however, letting him finish his rotating while she held onto the mattress, sheets tangling into a nightmarish wad around her knees. Once he was facing her again, his eyes opened this time. What? Seeing he had absolutely no recollection of what he said, she leaned onto him, his arms automatic around her waist. You don't have to go back. Wherever there is, you don't have to go back. And he remembered, eyes closing instantly. Yes, I do. No, you don't. You caught them in. They cleaned out the room. It's finished. Never more honest in his life, he finally met her confusion. I meant the Bureau. He dropped his statement on her at 3.18 a.m., then disappeared out the front door, running in the rain, walking in the rain, eventually coming home to sit quietly in the rain on the damp front porch while ignoring the world around him. Scully stared at the ceiling once she realized he'd left the house. He'd quietly tossed that bomb at her, then excused himself for a drink of water. When the front door shut, she didn't move to go after him, scooting to his rapidly cooling side of the bed to wait it out. Her mind running in circles, she imagined Mulder's body was under the thundering sky. He didn't want to go back to the FBI. But, like the good Mulder he was, regardless of emotional turmoil or highly developed escapism techniques, he let her know when he got home, opening the front door of the house with its telltale squeak but not coming in. He knew she was awake. She would find him when she was ready. Scully sensed he was home almost a minute before the door told her so, and swinging her legs to the floor, she moved her bare feet across the rug, across the hardwood, down the stairs, and out the door, 
quietly taking her place beside him. He'd grabbed his bag of sunflower seeds from the cup holder of the jeep, and cracking one, he handed her another. I ditched you, but I came home. Does that count for something? Hugging her knees to her chest, she stared across the street. That was not a ditch molder. That was an intriguing tidbit followed by a loam time to continue with thunderstorms and nervous habits. Nearly feeling like smiling an impressive feat, given the amount of guilt he felt. I'm not supposed to do that anymore, though. I'm supposed to stay with you and talk this shit out, not run out during a lightning storm and keep you awake because I'm an idiot. Her hand snaked under his arm and hand-gripped knee. Do you really want to leave the FBI? What the hell? If he couldn't tell Scully, then there really wasn't any point breathing. I want to stop losing hours and days in rooms like that. Dropping his head forward, he spoke to her hand, which, with astonishing clarity, he realized did not yet have an engagement ring on it. I don't remember the last four days at all. The last truly clear thing I can think of is you making me drink a glass of milk, and the rest is just jumbled fucking mess of death and anger and destruction, and, standing up suddenly, he moved down the step to tower in the drizzle, looking at her in the hazy yellow shine of the porch light. I don't want that anymore. I may be good at it, but I can't handle it. It scares me how easily I forgot about you and Maggie and the kids and, and us. I lose myself in that room, and what if one day I can't find my way back out? Looking up at him, neck angled to full extension, eyes sympathetic, mouth tightened to a thin line of concern. I love you, and I will not let you get lost in that room, I promise. His shifting, his relentlessness, his skirting glance, and unattainable eye contact made her heart ache, realizing once again just how much they coexisted in the universe. Mulder, I won't think any less of you if you stop profiling. I won't think you gave up, and I won't judge you for it. Finally shifting to stand, she watched him approach. Eye level given the porch made her taller. I am scared every second you're lost in someone's head. I watch you in there, and you turn into someone else, someone I don't recognize, and to be blunt about it, I hate it. My stomach is in knots until you come back to me, plain and simple. Reaching her arms out slightly, she wiggled her fingers in the universal get-over-here gesture, and once he was within reach, she ran her hands from his forehead down his cheeks and stopped to cradle his chin, whispering as she begged his soul through dilated green eyes. You need to do what you need to do, and trust me when I say, I love you no matter what. Muscles relaxing into her, hugging her tight. But I'm not supposed to trust anyone, Scully. I have never been just anyone, Mulder. With a wet chuckle into her neck. I will talk to Skinner tomorrow at dinner. Would you like me to be there? Yes, please. And they stood, immobile and immeasurable. One shadow, one couple, one perfect blip on an imperfect night. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening, and remember, 
The stories are out there.